Second Chronicles, it's on page 576. <laughs> this is when it's good to have an app. Because if you don't know where it is, you're like, everyone knows you don't know where it is. <laughs> so it's good to have an app sometimes. You can just scroll and find it. And One time I, uh, I got up to preach just to test the people at my church and said, hey, turn, to the book, turn your books to the book of Hezekiah. <laughs> All I sudden hear, whoosh, and my heart was broken. <laughs> and then the groans began. And the stones, I saw the stones go in the air. And Anyways, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you're doing and what you've done through uh, David and Timothy and just the people who have brought the word of God and shared uh, what, what's on your heart. God, we, we, just, we just take that all in and we ask that you would train us to walk in it. Everything that you teach, Jesus. Oh, we thank you that everything you say is spirit and life, God. Lord, we ask that we would be obedient to everything that you say, and we would put flesh on your words, God. And so we thank you for all that you do, and we thank you for your word today. Speak, and let hearts be transformed, minds be renewed, lives be set free. And God, that we would walk in a greater authority and power, so we thank you for this morning. Amen. If you got Second Chronicles, chapter did I say sixteen? Man. This is a prophetic community, guys. You guys should know this by now. <laughs> Calling you out. <laughs> or I should just take some kind of medicine to help me remember to tell you. Second Chronicles chapter sixteen. Verse 9. I love this verse. It's one of my, my favorite verses in the Bible. It's pretty famous. If you got it, say amen. amen. Verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That is a very powerful verse to me, that, that God is actually looking all over the earth. For someone that he can demonstrate his power on behalf of them. Those who are, the reason I love this verse is because it doesn't say that he's looking for good singers. He's not looking for good preachers. He's not looking for the, the greatest uh, studiers or the business people. It says he's looking, the thing that catches the eye of God is a yielded heart. And that's what I love about this verse is that you don't have to be qualified by your school or your training or anything. You just have to have a yielded heart. And say, God, I trust you completely. I'm, I'm, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And God says, I'm going to show my power on your behalf. Interesting, if you keep reading, it says, you have acted foolishly in this. Talking to uh, Asa, king of Judah, he uh, try to negotiate with the enemy how many would know we're in a war where we make no negotiations with the enemy it's just we we take all you know we're, we're so he he makes this tries to make this negotiation instead of trusting god and god says don't you what are you doing you just faced an ethiopian army i think they had over a million people 
and we defeated them. You defeated them with my help. And now you're making this deal. And so he says, you, you, you've acted foolishly. The, the prophet, Hananiah the seer, came. And it's interesting, he says, because of this, you'll have wars all the days of your life. How many wars do we invite into our life because we disobey God? <laughs> I'm going to take you everywhere. I need, I need that. I need. <laughs> we used to have this girl at our church in Seattle. And, you know, I'd say something and she'd go, Wow. <laughs> like, Dude, I'm taking you everywhere I go just so that you can say, wow, every time I... <laughs> Small little Japanese girl, and wow. <laughs> but see, God is looking. And, you know, even in the New Testament, I think the New Testament equivalent of this verse is the Father seeks those who worship in spirit and truth. Now, he's still looking. He's still looking for those who will yield their heart to him no matter what he calls them to, he says, God, I'll do it. Or she says, God, I'll do it. So God is looking. He's, I think in the book of Job, it talks about how Satan looks as well. How many want to be found by God? <laughs> I really don't want to be found by that guy. The other guy, right? So God is looking, and I'm painting a big target. God, I'm right here. I'm, I'm going to wear a bright light. and you know, just This is where I'm at. at find me, God, and... I'm just kidding. God's attracted to the yielded heart. And so, you know, the, the thing that's been on my heart is there's something about God. He loves brave people. There's something about bravery that turns his crank, right? It's just like, oh, man, that's the, that's the woman of God. I want to show my power on behalf. And you know that, you know what valor means? Valor is bravery right and i i personally believe that god is looking for in this time this season we're in people with uncommon valor like i kind of explain as we go on but these people who don't wait for an invitation to go after the things of god you know, these people who don't wait for the whole group to do it. These are the ones that pay the price before everybody else. They have this uncommon valor. You know, it's one thing when everybody goes after it bravely, but there's another thing when s- s- certain people get raised up and they just go after this thing and they display this uncommon valor. I don't know about you, but that's, that's who I want to be. I want to I be the one that... I believe God raises up people in times and seasons for a purpose. But we've missed it throughout the, the history of the world. We, we, these people get raised up and we put them on pedestals and we don't realize that that's an invitation into what we can walk into. Anyways, turn your Bibles to the book of First Samuel, just backwards. And uh, we'll go to chapter 14. I told you, that's on camera now. It's on chapter 14. 
right? God raises up these amazing people you know, who are forerunners like Timothy and uh, Heidi Baker, Bill, all these people that are just, they're out there and God's raising up new ones today. And it's not for us to go, ooh, ah, look what they're doing. It's like, wow, that can do that too. <laughs> that's 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 who I've been called to to be, you know, to do in those things and walk in the signs, wonders, and miracles, and uh, demonstrate the power of God. And the thing about honor and idolatry is that they look the same. The way you tell the difference. See, if I honor somebody, I receive what they walk in, and then I can walk it out. Yeah. Idolatry, you know, even the Old Testament talks about you worship these things with no hands, no feet, no, th- and you become like them, useless. <laughs> right? So, honor is, you know, you, re- you honor a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. Yeah. It's easy to tell if you're honoring and if you're just putting someone on a pedestal. If you're not pursuing what they're doing, then you probably you're probably idol committing idolatry. Anyways, that's free. First Samuel chapter fourteen. I'm going to read this. We're going to go through a story about one of the the craziest stories in the Bible. It's about this guy named Jonathan and his armor bearer. Right? You guys ever heard of Jonathan and armor bearer? Jonathan is the son of Saul. And uh, he takes his armor bearer, and they go into this fight. And it's pretty crazy because we, we just, if you just read it from the chapter 14, you don't have a little backstory. I'm going to give a little backstory and tell you what's going on. So Saul, you know, they're going on these campaigns, and they're winning, and Jonathan is destroying the enemy, and it's, it's getting so much so that, that the Philistines are getting whooped by the Israelites so badly that it says that the Israelites have become stinky to them. Like, it's like this, the bad odor in their nose. So they, they, they get tired of it. And so they start gathering all their troops, and they have this massive army. There's probably hundreds of thousands of Philistines coming against the Israelites at this time. And they have chariots, they have horses, they have all the weaponry and all these things. And... Samuel says, wait, when I come back, we'll make an offering and then we'll go into this battle, right? I was waiting to hear with the Lord. And so Samuel takes off and he says, wait seven days. He comes back late. So Saul is like, oh man, Saul, Samuel must have forgotten or something. He's not here. So he takes, takes it into his own hands and he makes the offering and sacrifice to the Lord. And he, he tried to do what was Samuel's job, right? And because of it, Saul loses his kingdom. He get, it, his kingdom gets stripped from him. And it, through this whole time of waiting, you see that the, the army of Israelites start, they start dispersing. And they start actually hiding in caves. And any place they can hide from the enemy, they start going. And so Saul's great army goes from you know, whatever number it was, down to, he was down to 600. So you got to understand, 600 people, and there's 
hundreds of thousands with chariots and weapons. To make matters worse, they didn't have a blacksmith in their in the in the nation of Israel. So they, I mean, this has got this has got to really suck that. They had no weapons, so they had to take their plows and their hoes and all these different things, their farming tools. But they didn't have no blacksmith, right? So no one, no one could do it. So they actually had to go to the enemy <laughs> and have the enemy make their weapons for them. And to make matters worse, they had to pay the enemy to do it. I mean, call, talk about pouring salt in your wound, you know? Like They had to actually go to the enemy's camp for them to make the weapons for them. And so you think about 600 Israelis with shovels and pitchforks and whatever they had as weapons. That's all they had going against this massive army that Philistines, you know, that's where the uh, giants, and they had to go against these guys with a garden hoe. So, you know, I can understand maybe why they're a little nervous and why Saul was taking things into his own hands. And Yeah, that's another sermon. So we're going to start reading from 1 Samuel. Or, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 14. Now the day came that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. Okay. At some point, somebody has to say enough is enough. Somebody's going to have to say, man, all these guys are going to sit over here and wait for something to happen. I'm going to go make it happen. Like You know, Smith Wigglesworth would say, if God ain't moving, I'll get him to move. Right, he he had this understanding. It wasn't arrogance. He just understood God moved by faith. God responded and said, "Man, that guy's yielded. I'm going to show my power on his behalf." And so, Jonathan and armor bearer, you know, it's a picture of Jesus and Holy Spirit going into this battle. And they said, "Come on, let's go to the other side. Let's keep reading." But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree which is in Migron and the people who were there with him were about 600 men I was I, I was thinking about that verse it's interesting because Saul was sitting under the pomegranate tree the pomegranate tree symbolized fertility like fruitfulness blessing I think Saul was trying to get God to like hey you know this is what this symbolizes more. We need more people. We know we need more fighters to come, God. And you know, there's believers that live their own way, but think they then they ask God to do things. And we walk in rebellion, but we keep asking God to do things for us, and nothing changes, right? And so Saul's sitting under this tree, and he's even got the the priest with the ephod on, right, reminding God. Hey, we're supposed to be blessed. We're your covenant people. And skip to verse 4. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp crag on the one side and sharp crag on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Senna. 
the the one crag was on the north opposite Michmash, and the other on the opposite Geba. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, trash-talking. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. That's a powerful verse. Saul was concerned about his 600 men and trying trying to get God to give more men. But Jonathan understood. God can win with one. He can win with thousand it doesn't matter to him we may be a few today but this verse tells me he's not restrained by our numbers his armor bearer said to him do all that is in your heart turn your turn yourself and here i am with you according to your desire that's a good armor bearer (laughs) we, we just read these verses you understand, this is the guy who's supposed to carry the shield before Jonathan. And he's telling, John, the, he's telling Jonathan, hey, man, whatever's on your heart, let's do it. Whatever's your desire, I'm, gonna, I'm there with you, man. I'm, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that shield going against hundreds of thousands, two against a hundred thousand. Think about it. And so then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to them and reveal ourselves to them. Apparently, these two young men, they don't get the, idea, the, the concept of the sneak attack. <laughs> Their plan is not to sneakily climb, go up to the, the enemy and stab them at night when they're sleeping. That's what you know, I think I would do. Like, you know, I would make sure no one heard me. The element of surprise, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. But these two guys, Jonathan's plan was, hey, we're going to, this is okay, you, you're going to do whatever I do, right? Arm bears, yeah, we're going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to go, and we're going to stand up, and we're going we're gonna to yell, hey, <laughs> I'm coming up, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> if I was the armor bearer right then, I would be like, man, I, okay, I know I said I was with you, but we got to come up with a better plan than this, brother, because there's hundreds of thousands and we got two people down here. And I'm just carrying a shield, man. <laughs> so, you know, I, can, I would be a little stressed out. But the armor bearer is not me. He's much more of a man than I am. And so they keep going. And they say to us, wait until we come to you. Then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us. Then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands. And this shall be a sign to us. How many would ask for a better sign than that? <laughs> because if there's 100,000 soldiers waiting, they could have said, come up. <laughs> like, yeah, right? It was, it was like he was just, I think he lost it a little bit. And so they go up. And they, hey, we're going to fight. Hey, you look at us. And so Hebrews, they, they, when the both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will tell you something. <laughs> and Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me. For the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. 
I've seen a picture of the the place where they actually, and it's pretty rocky. <laughs> it's like it's not like a hill. <laughs> it's right. It's this rocky uh, climb that they have to go up. And they say, "Come up here. We got something to tell you." And they they go up. And the crazy thing is, Jonathan was he went before the armor bearer. <laughs> in other words, the shield was behind him, not in front of him. And it gets worse. It gets worse from here. <laughs> in my eyes, it's worse. So it says in verse thirteen, then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor bearer behind him. Okay, I'm no war technician or, you know, I haven't made battle plans to attack countries, but I don't see the advantage of climbing up this mountainside with no weapon in my hand while the enemy waited on top of the, the climb. To me, that just shows how much of an advantage we have over the enemy. Now we can literally go into the battle with nothing, just with a confidence in our God, and he's got our back. So David, you know, Jonathan goes up and armor bearers, and the Bible, it says here, they slaughtered about 20 men in about a half an acre of land. That's pretty impressive. So Jonathan would go and he'd stab him. The armor bearer would come up and cut off his head. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) They should make a movie about that. And because of this, it's we read this sometimes and we don't realize this actually happened. That these two young men. Whose name? The guy, I remember, no, we don't ever know who he is. I mean, it's not about being known. <laughs> One of my favorite verses is Paul says, I'm unknown but well known. Like nobody, you may not know me, but he knows me. He knows me very well. And so, these two men, while well, everybody is hiding in their holes and they're they're afraid of the enemy, and they, they have the sense that God's not going to show up. Jonathan and his armor bearer said, man, this is enough is enough. You know, it's like David. You know, he's, you know they were, no wonder they were best friends. You know, the Jonathan had this thing in him. He's like, enough is enough. I'm tired of seeing my people terrorized by an uncircumcised people. People who don't even have a covenant with God who serve false gods and all these other things, and we have the true and almighty God, and we're hiding in caves. We're allowing the enemy to take our homes, take our, take our weapons, take our economy, destroy families, go into schools and shoot kids up. Somebody... I say enough is enough. You know it. We can go on a whole different thing, but it says that because of 
what Jonathan and Armbear did on that day, it sent everybody into a panic. That the entire Philistine army went into panic mode. Because two guys just killed 20 of their... You don't put your worst fighters in the back. I mean, you don't put your worst, or worst fighters up front. You put them, in, you know. So Jonathan and his men probably fought the best ones. They're like, oh, man. Our best fighters just went down by two guys. And it says there was a, everybody started, it says they, they started shaking. It was so terrifying that they began to shake. And then there were, an earthquake actually happened at that very moment. And it says there was a great, terrible shaking of God. That's the literal translation. Can you imagine if we would stand up and we would be audacious like these guys and go into whatever God has called us to go into and the shaking, the things that would happen. And Let's keep going. I like the story. Now Saul's watchmen in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away. So Saul's, you know, he's, you know, they're, the watchmen are watching this, and all of a sudden they see all these Philistines going crazy and running away, and so they, you know, they run. And Saul said to the people who were with him, Now number and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Then Saul said to Ahisha, Bring the ark of God here. Some translations say the ephod. Bring the ephod. And for the ark of, the God, of God was at was at that time with the sons of Israel. So Saul was going to go seek God about it. What should we do? I'm like, come on, man. You see the enemy scattering, and they're on the run, and you want to pray about it. <laughs> There's sometimes we just, I think some people hide behind prayer because they, they have so much fear in their heart. And don't realize, man, the enemy is on the run. Our job is to pursue now. It isn't to, oh, what does God want to do now? What is, what is his plan right now? No, it's get off your butt and go after what, what God wants you to take over. Right? And so it gets to the point where it gets so crazy. Even, Paul, uh, even Saul says, never mind. He says, never mind. Withdraw your hand. We're not going to pray about it. Let's go after these guys, right? And I love this because... It says, then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. These are God's people who are hiding in holes and caves. And when they saw the uncommon valor, the bravery of these two young men, something broke where they knew that they had to respond. They couldn't hide anymore. They couldn't be sit in the pews and not live like God wanted them to live. Verse 21, now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines previously, in other words, there were actually Israelites living in the enemy's camp. How many know that when God's people, when those with uncommon valor begin to step out and begin to pursue and go after what God has for them, even the people that live in the world, those who have fallen away, those who are so lost in the world will begin to see it and they're going to come back. It says here that they who they were with them previously, who went with them all around the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites and Saul and Jonathan. Even the ones who were lost in their sin, the prodigals, 
They began to see, man, God is still for us. God still loves me. And this, they ran back and fought with Saul and Jonathan. Verse 22, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard the Philistines had fled, even they also pursued them closely in the battle. So even the ones who are afraid, you, the ones you, you, you know, with a natural eye, you would think, oh, they're never going to do anything because they're so full of fear. They can't get their life figured out. They, they, their life is a mess. Well, whatever, you, we, these things we see with our natural eye and with the flesh and don't realize that these are the people that God has called. I, there's a verse, I think, in Zechariah. It says that in the last day there will be those who like David and those like God. Not, not one person in the house of God is going to be weak. God is calling us to be brave. We have to break out. I think, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go after my dream. <laughs> I, I'm all for that. But we've got to realize our dream is not about us only. It's about the world. Right? It's God raised me up so that my life will affect others. So it'll be a, a, a signpost saying, look, if Joe can do it, anybody can do it. He's... He, I'm not, you know, I'm not the most outgoing. I'm not the most, I'm pretty handsome, but <laughs> I don't know why people are laughing at that. That's, that was the only joke I didn't tell. Yeah, that's the hair. <laughs> I have no strength, though. It doesn't do anything for strength. That's a whole other sermon. Anyways, so. Bravery, the, the, the bravery of Jonathan and, and the armor bearer, it brought repentance, right? They, they returned. It inspired the fearful to become brave. The uncommon valor made everybody have valor. <laughs> Thanks, David. I'll take you everywhere too. <laughs> My prayer is that every person in this this building and on video allow God to arrest your heart to possess you and be like Jonathan and, and the, his armor bearer and say God enough is enough if no one else will go I will go not because I'm arrogant not because I want the glory not because I want people to see me but because I know that when you take that step and you sacrifice yourself, you, you say, God, I will do anything, it affects everybody. I'll tell you a story. I, uh, I've shared this before. They used to call me a son of thunder when I was younger. <laughs> I'm much more tame now. I've been asking God, please, God, I want, I want the... Uh, 
that fiery thing back. Keep the immaturity. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I matured. But I want, you know, I want that brave thing, you know, just to, to increase in my life. And I remember I went, to a, I went to a church in Colorado one time. This was my first ministry trip ever. I went with my school. And we went to Colorado. <laughs> and the thing is, it was all white people. Okay, I'm just going to say it. It was all white people. And I was the only Asian. And so we go to this church. I'm half white. They didn't know that, though. So I, we go to this church, right? And it's a Pentecostal church. And they, they you know, my, when I think about Pentecostal, I think, you know, they're dancing, they're hooping and hollering, and they're going around and train circles and everything. And I get there, and it's crickets, right? It's like... You know, there's like like two or three hundred people in the room, and you know, I think it was towards the end of our trip. Me and my f- friends that came with me on the trip, we uh, we were sitting on this far side of the room. I remember, and <laughs> remember, I'm the only Asian up in there. So we stand in there, and you know, we're going into the worship, and the worship leader, you know, we had a relationship because we stayed with him for a few weeks. And I, I did the song today, Shout, Shout to the North. That was the song that was playing at this moment, right? So I'm, sit, I'm standing there, and God's presence is in the room, and I wasn't doing anything fancy. You know, the, you look across the room, you could see a few hands up in the air and whatnot, and it was good. But it was pretty quiet, pretty Reserved kind of worship. The worship team was great. People were great. It's just there was no. Mm. So, but you know, I, I was I'm a worshiper, and so when the worship music was going, my hands were up in the air, and I was I was worshiping God, and didn't care about anything. And all of a sudden, as I'm worshiping, I hear, "I want you to dance," <laughs> and I said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." I am I'm, I do not dance and so I'm, I'm there with my hands raised and I hear the, this voice say I want you to dance and my friends two friends you know they, they had their hands raised and they were getting into it and, and my hands are raised and I hear Go, I want you to dance and so I, 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 I argued with God and eventually I, you know I gave in and I said, "Okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dance." <laughs> I don't know how to dance, man. So the only thing I know how to do is jump up and down. And you remember we played the song. It, it's not a very jumping up and down kind of song. So I'm about to jump up and down. You know, in my seat, I'm about six rows, seven rows in. About to jump up and down, and the Lord says, "I want you to go into the aisle." <laughs> Again, the debating began. <laughs> I was like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do it here. They're all white. God. I'm the only Asian man in this whole room. Maybe in the whole city. I don't know. And so after a little bit of arguing, I said, okay. And I could feel, I, you know, I didn't say nothing to my friends. And I start walking 
towards the middle. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Getting them nervous. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm just walking. And you know how you can tell when somebody's looking at you? I feel all these eyes just starting to. So I get in the middle of the, the middle of the aisle. It's probably a little bigger than this. And I'm, my hands are raised, and I'm about to jump up and down. And the Lord says again, I want you to go up front. <laughs> At this point, you could see the sweat. Just my shirt was all wet. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh. They are going to kill me. <laughs> and, okay, see, this is, say, if the worship team would be here, there's a little space, right? They had an ocean of property between the worship team and the first set of chairs. I mean, that sucker was just space, right? And I'm sweating. I'm really, really nervous at this point. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, I'm not even going to argue with you. It's, it's foolish now. And so I start walking up to the front of the room. And you, I can tell. Pastor must have thought, get security. Get security. I don't know what this guy's going to do. He's the only Asian person in this room. <laughs> and so I'm going up, and I'm in the sea of no return, the, the, the place where I'm just kind of floating. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. I'm gonna, something's going to rush me from the side and tackle me because they think I'm going to go and hurt the worship team leader or something. And so I'm in this huge space. You can, nobody's worshiping anymore. <laughs> Nobody even knows who Jesus is anymore. They're just watching the Asian man who has just walked up. I had a, I cut my hair. I had a, like a, a buzz cut, you know, so I look like a monk. So he like, this guy, I'm up here in front. And so this song's going, right? And I'm about to, I'm about to jump up and down in worship. And the Lord says, yep, I want you to twirl. <laughs> and it's not like he's telling me as I go up. It's, I want you to twirl. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm there. There's nothing else I can do at this point. I can't go back because then I look really stupid, right? And so you got to think. The song we played is got the six eight. It's a waltz. <laughs> oh man, this! But I said, God, I will do anything you want me to do. And He sent me up front, like Timothy was saying today. When you pray, God, kill me. Do He's answering your prayers, right? God, use me in any way. I'm going to send you in front of all these white people, and you are going to twirl. You're going to look so unmanly when you do it too. <laughs> So I'm up there, <laughs> and it's it's good to obey God. Yeah. Now you got to remember the 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 environment of the church was very. Ah, when's this over? You know they were kind of. Let's get on to lunch. Let's get to the sermon. Move on. You got to keep that all in your mind while I'm going up there. No one's even worshiping anymore. 
And the worship team leader, he didn't stop. He just kept going. Kudos to him. And so I'm there, and all of a sudden I go, and I begin to twirl. I <laughs> know. Because I actually... No, because the camera's on, man. I ain't doing it. That's forever. Nope. You, ain't gonna, you can't trick me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only Asian here today. So, this is the amazing thing. Is I was, I was afraid, but I was obedient, even though it took me a while. <laughs> I eventually got up to the front of the room, and I obeyed God. And when you obey God, something spiritual happens. And so as I, as I go up and do, try to, I go into my first twirl, something broke in the room and everybody ran to the altar and started repenting. I had little nine-year-old bo- p- kids weeping in God's presence, praying for their parents. Women, people came up to me and confessing their sin and saying, hey, you know, my, my, my marriage is about, I'm about to go into a divorce. Can you pray? And, and all these things. And then something started happening. You, I watched the pastors, and pastors didn't know what to do because the altars were flooded in that moment. And so they're like, hey, come on. We, we, need, we need helpers. We need workers. Come on, come on up. And so prayer team started coming out, and, and people started praying. And just see, the amazing thing was I saw little kids weeping in God's presence and asking for forgiveness. I'm no one special. I just obeyed. Yeah. You know, it's... And from that point, I, I remember getting reports that they actually joined um, the team that helped Steve Hill do a tour across America. And, uh, talk, you know, he's he was the evangelist that help bring um, Brownsville revival. And so something happened. And God stirred something up. And Because God looks for the yielded heart. Not, I wasn't dressed nice. I think I was wearing shorts. <laughs> there was nothing about me that you would think, oh, he's a moot. I want you to say this with me. I am a move of God. Stop waiting for one to happen. You are a move of God. You are the one that God's looking for, the yielded heart. Just yield yourself and say, God, whatever you want me to do. And when he says go in front of the church and dance, you do it. You just obey. One more story. But I never had to dance. That was the cool thing about the. <laughs> I was in the middle of the, and then poof, I was like, thank, you. <laughs> thank God there was no social media like we have today. Instead <laughs> of videotaping this, as I was walking up to the front. But it would have been cool to catch on video though. That would have been. I was uh I went to Korea and uh I was leading worship and the pastor who was who led our team he 
There was a girl there that was deaf in both ears. The only way she could hear was with hearing aids. And when you take them out, she's completely deaf. And so the he, he highlighted her and said, hey, we want to pray for you. Because this lady brought her, who was a Christian, but her parent, the girl girl's parents weren't Christian and so they brought this girl and she brought this girl in hopes that if she got healed the parents would see and get saved first off God doesn't heal you because he needs PR he heals you because he loves you that's just a byproduct so we bring a girl up in front and I'm leading worship and the pastor who's leading says hey Joe you need to pray for this girl and it's in front of, you know, two, three hundred people. And so I'm inside. I'm like, man, <laughs> oh, man, I'm like nervous. And so I, I put down the guitar. But on the outside, I don't show it. That's that's a trick I've learned. Just look, look like you know everything. <laughs> and so I go, I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. And so I grab this little girl's head and put my fingers in her ears. No wet willies this time. And I I command the ears to open, and I look at her, and we test it, and she's like, right? She's 11 years old. And I do it a few more times, and nothing happens. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go walk away and just continue to pray and whatever and the woman brings her again says can you pray one more time and I said okay I'm gonna do it so I prayed and boom nothing happens <laughs> but I you know I obeyed because I you know I felt God on it and said God he wants you to pray for this girl and I didn't let the the healing the non-healing discourage me it angered me like the next day, we were on a our last free day to go around Korea and do touring, and the whole time I couldn't enjoy it because I kept seeing this little girl's face, and I was angry. Even my teammates were like staying away from me. <laughs> I wasn't angry at any of them. I wasn't angry at God. I was angry at the devil and the fact that she's still deaf. So the whole the whole day as we're walking around. And I'm praying in tongues, and I'm like rebuking the devil and saying, commanding the ears to open and and going after it. And the next day we go back, we're flying back to America, and we're standing in the security line about to go through security when the host who, who took us around all of Korea, all of a sudden I hear, I hear the shouting going on so I look over and my friend has his phone and he's got his phone in his hand he's like she can hear see I could have said no I don't want to pray for her because there's too many people in front of me what if she doesn't get healed I'm gonna look embarrassed and people are gonna say oh he's not a real miracle worker or whatever that all these things could have I could allow to stop me from taking that step of faith and just obeying God and that girl would still be deaf. He had nothing to lose, right? I think David said, said it a few days ago that it's, it's more risk to not trust than to trust. 
I, that's my prayer that God would God would do that in our all our lives. That we would. It's not so that we can just have a story. It's so that the people that will be impacted by it. Let's pray. If you can stand up, I'm going to pray, and then I'll hand it over to Timothy and whatever else. You know, it's good to, to work on your skill and all the things that you do. It's great. You need to do that. David was brought before King Saul because of his skill at his instrument. You know, and even Proverbs says that your skill will bring bring you before kings. But don't use that as an excuse. Say, "Oh, I'm not skillful enough." Well, you you can be yielded enough. I want you to put your hands on your heart, and you're going to pray a scary prayer. <laughs> And you just do it. <laughs> just do it. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God would help you to cultivate a yielded heart. A heart that says yes at any moment, any time. You know, for some people it's easy. Every person in this room is a move of God. We're just waiting for you to happen.